0: Welcome to the Wesley Memorial Podcast. Join us this Sunday at 1225 Chestnut Drive in High Point. Visit us on the web at wesleymemorial.org. Now here is this week's message. New one next week that's going to be focused on our four areas of focus as a church. Um, you know, like prayer, worship, small groups, hands-on missions, so each week we'll focus on one of those big four things. So we invite you to come back, but today is the end of of the series of Finding Joy, and uh, the first week was about finding joy, knowing God's joy in the midst of trials, and you're going to hear a metaphor come up through a lot of this idea that our roots of our faith go down deep into God's word, that our roots should be grounded in Him, that uh, He is the vine, we're the branches, and that even above the surface, uh, we may go through times of growth, times of hardship, summer and fall and winter, but down deep our roots go deep into him and provide a foundation for us, even in trial. Or even hearing the next week was about finding joy in our Christian witness, that as our witnesses of our faith, we don't have to be weird or coercive or strange, but we can be joyful and loving and winsome to those around us in a way that's real. Then last week was about finding joy in worry, which sounds oxymoronic, but that we can find joy even in our worries and anxieties and that worry doesn't help tomorrow and it just ruins today. And today we're going to hear about worry's first cousin which is fear. Uh, Not the kind of cousins you really want to hang out with like at Thanksgiving or Christmas but it's they're very closely related. Fear 365 times in the Bible we hear words, phrases like, do not fear, do not be afraid. It repeats itself over and over. It's one thing to hear it, it's another to do it. Because um, some of us, maybe we were raised in homes where uh, we all we have known is fear, that we were raised in a generational sense of just walking on eggshells. Or uh, we've all experienced the circumstantial fear, of fear that grips us, that paralyzes us. But we have to remember, though, that if Jesus came out of the grave, and he did, then uh, we, he wants us to walk in a life free from fear, or to know how to pray in the, through in the midst of our fears, to pray through our fears. But fear can even give us physical symptoms. I read about uh, bombings that would happen in World War II or in Lebanon or throughout history. And people that are not even getting hit by bombs will die for, for just purely from the fear of the whole situation. That fear physically affects us. Like uh, our, our palms get sweaty, our skin, our skin gets pale, we get dry mouth. It reminds me of a joke I read this week of a man who was worried about a meeting he had and he was Scared. And he said to his wife, "My my palms are sweaty and my, my mouth is dry." And his wife said, "Well, why don't you just lick your palms, right?" <laughs> it's not really good to do on flu season. Don't go home and tell people what you learned at church was to lick your palms. Um, it's not even Palm Sunday. Man, this is getting bad. That was bad. That was bad. And that was not. I need a rim shot on that one. <laughs> but we're afraid of what we can't see, right? I mean, the unknown fuels the fear. Um, But of course God can see it all. And we would prefer, maybe we think, for God to give us a plan to avoid fear. But see if God did that, that we would only then come back to God when the plan didn't go the way we really wanted it to go. So God doesn't necessarily give us a plan to avoid all fear, necessarily. That's why God's leading in our lives is like a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. It's enough to take a step each day, staying close to God, day by day, reliant on God, even in in our fears, staying reliant in Him. That it's a good thing when we're reliant on God. In whatever situation you're in, it's a good thing that means that God is, is, is close to you. But when we're born into the world, I don't remember this, but I remember my kids being born. The first thing you feel is fear. Where did the walls go? What is this thing, right? What is this weird situation I feel in my lungs? And so the first thing we feel is fear. It's the most primal of all emotions. But not all fear is necessarily bad. Have you seen some of these videos? They're called like dad reflex videos. Where it's like the dad or the mom last second, sort of snatching their kid off the swing or off the slide. I didn't want to show one because they make me nervous. Like, it just freaks me out. But if you're a parent, right, how many of your parents have saved your children's lives? Be honest. Yeah, come on. <laughs> I'm sure my mom saved my life too many times. Um, one time, my son, who likes to climb trees, and he's, he was, he's usually fine at it. But I thought, I'm going to stand next to him while he's in this little crepe myrtle. And I'm just you know, going to be nearby. And then, of course, he slips. And the fear activates my action. And I immediately am there to catch him in, in the moment. The fear helps me in that moment. That's a good thing. Or maybe if you're worried or a little bit fearful of a strained relationship with someone and, and you, you want to, I want to make sure I'm right with that person, right? Like that's a good thing. Like you, you want to make sure that you're connecting with that person and, and that you didn't misunderstand each other. Or even if you're in a, any sort of an athlete at all, sports, fear of failure or just fear of doing a bad job can kind of be a good thing sometimes because it makes you um, perform in a, in a way that you're a bit more motivated. So there's a healthy fear. There's also an unhealthy fear because like a healthy fear is very specific. It motivates you to action. You know, oh, he's falling. There's a car coming, you know, but with unhealthy fear, you can't really pinpoint it. It's sort of everywhere. It's pervasive. It crushes you. You're paralyzed. It's not instructive to your life. And today we want to hear some biblical stories of how fear uh, God is with us in our fears. We can pray through our fears. And wisdom, as Jesus said, wisdom is proved right by her actions. And what he means is, um, think ahead. A lot of wisdom is thinking ahead and not waiting for fear to hit you, but when it does, that you're a bit more equipped with some tools in your toolbox to be ready. And uh, that you can pray through your fear, and Jesus would teach a lot about fear. Actually, in Matthew ten, he tells uh, his listener um, to kind of be more direct. Direct your fears appropriately. Direct them appropriately. He says, "Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul." You know, he's basically saying, "If you get, you're, you're all, we're all going to eventually die, so don't fear that." Don't fear anyone, because they can't hurt your soul. But rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Read that in context, because then he would go on to say, the very hairs on your head are numbered. So there's a compassion to this. He's saying, you are more valuable to God than anything else. So direct your awe and reverence and wonder and healthy respect to God. God. Just to know that he cares, he cares for you, he knows the situations of your life. But Jesus' approach with his disciples about fear was like kicking them out of the nest. Like he would say to them, I'm going to send you out a sheep among wolves and you're going to get beaten, you're going to get arrested, so get ready. But then he would say, but don't be afraid because God is going to give you the words to speak in those moments. But his approach to fear is sort of like, stop it. Here you go. For example, one time in Matthew 8, Jesus sort of takes the disciples on a field trip. And as you see here, Matthew 8, it says, And when Jesus got into the boat, so Jesus just gets on a boat. He doesn't say where we're we going. You know, it could have been like Gilligan's Island. We're just going to go, right? That, that, some of us know what that show is, right? Yes. Yeah. His, and his disciples followed him. They just get on a boat. We don't know where we're going, so we're following Jesus on a boat. As we see, he's going to use this experience to teach them about fear and about trust and about faith. And it, it, it seems to come across in a way that's insane to these men. A windstorm arose on the sea, which can happen on the Sea of Galilee in an instant. If you're anything about boats, which I don't, but if you go out in water a lot, storms can just come out of nowhere. So great that the boat was being swamped by the waves, but he, Jesus, was asleep. Okay. Now, I remember that George Clooney movie, The Perfect Storm. You're, you know, like, those, you're like these, these boat movies? <laughs> what do people do when these storms hit and they're on the deck? They're all yelling. Right? They're all screaming at each other. There's also a lot of yelling. Pirate movies, whatever. Because it's loud. Storms at sea are crazy loud. You can't hear each other. They're not wearing rain jackets. They're covered in water. They're yelling at each other. And other, tra- other and Mark, they run to Jesus and they say, Do you want us to drown? Basically, are you, are, are you trying to kill us indirectly, Jesus? And he, all the while, is below deck asleep I don't think he's asleep I think Jesus has one eye open and he's grinning (laughs) I think he's watching and he's he's trying to teach them about fear and they run to him and they said Lord save us we are perishing this they are terrified and he doesn't panic He says, Why are you afraid? You have little faith. Then he got up and he rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a dead calm. They were amazed, saying, What sort of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? If you read the book of Mark, which is the first gospel written, Matthew and all the other gospels borrow from Mark. Mark um, tells the story, too, that Mark says that the disciples were more afraid than ever. Like, they were, they were afraid, and then they were afraid. And Jesus is saying, don't panic. We panic because we look into the future, and we don't know what's going to come. Sometimes, the Lord will let the storm rage and calm his child. Sometimes, God will just stop the storm. But either way... He's in control. If you go back to verse 27, their amazement of Jesus, this healthy fear of God, it silences their fear. Isn't that interesting? That their fear, and not in like a scary way, but their their fear of Jesus silences their fear. And they say, what sort of man is this? That's the best question you could ever ask. What sort of man is this? This idea of fear of the Lord, you see throughout the Bible, Old Testament and New I don't have enough time to go into everything that it means but a lot of my some of my Methodist colleagues don't like this phrase, they find it to be offensive, which I disagree because it doesn't mean that we're supposed to be scared of God but it means that when you encounter Jesus there is an element to God that you say what sort of man is this? Even Proverbs 1.7 says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge or the beginning of wisdom. Fools despise this sort of wisdom and instruction. That, that this humility before God is, is, is a good thing. It's the realization of, of awe and wonder. The answer to the question, what sort of man is this? This, this leads, it could even lead to healing. It's the beginning of knowledge and wisdom and instruction of God when we say, God, I'm, you're God and I'm not. It, it, if you think about the, the uh, prodigal son story, which a lot of us are familiar with, the prodigal son says to his father, give me my inheritance now and uh, I want to go spend it. He's basically saying to his dad, I wish you were dead, give me my money, I want to go to Las Vegas and I want to blow it all, right? And that's what he does. And then he goes and does that, and then while he's gone, he realizes, what a fool I've been. I need to go back to my dad and make it right with him. And what's really interesting about the prodigal son's story is that he comes back to his father, and he doesn't say, I want to come back to you as a son. I'll just come back as a servant. I'll just come back as a hired hand. I'm not worthy to be back in your family. But what does the father do? The son expects his dad just to be a king again, but he doesn't. The king becomes a father. The son doesn't seek joy, but he gets it anyway. This grace, this forgiveness, this realization, this, this humility, even a little bit of fear and reverence and respect. And, and it, he, through it, he receives grace. And when he bows down and admits his dependence on God, God lifts him up and gives him honor. See, fear of the Lord is not a bad thing. Through it, God brings healing. And sometimes we just have to be raw and real with God and be emotionally honest with God, even in our fears. Just be real because so much of the Bible is just real, honest language. And I love how children get this. They're very emotionally honest, they're very literal. I get a kick out of reading the responses of children to test questions and seeing the things that they say and how honest they are like this one. What ended in 1896? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it gets better. What's the next one? I don't remember what they are. Name is Frankie. I earn money at home by... I don't. I'm a freeloader. That kid's going to go far. He's already figured it out. This tastes horrible. (laughs) Use apple juice. Or my personal favorite, positive ways our family handle stress, suck it up. (laughs) Suck it up. (laughs) Suck it up, dude. It's not always the best uh, advice, by the way. Um, But the Psalms are emotionally honest. They're raw, they're real, it's broken people saying broken things. The psalmists or Ecclesiastes or Proverbs, they don't say things like just stuff your emotions and just forget about them. But they also don't say, you know, celebrate them as like the epitome of human experience, as your authority. But it's a little bit of both. You see David, King David, he's praying his fear. He's praying through his anxieties. He's He's not denying them. This is very countercultural to our culture because the postmodern mind thinks that emotions are over everything; that we even put emotion over our reason sometimes. Now, to the Greeks and the Romans throughout history, even and this came back in the Enlightenment period, where we would uh, that the goal was to subject uh, the emotions to reason; that the dictates of reason should overcome emotion. That if you wanted to be a virtuous, intelligent, strong, courageous person, you would submit emotion to reason. Now, in our world today, it's almost the opposite. We are submitting reason to emotion. Watch the news news cycle and you'll see it. And here's what it means. So many people believe that our deepest feelings are just who we really are. And that we must not repress or deny that. And that the great struggle of humanity is between emotions and a seemingly repressive society that often stands in the way of self-expression and realization. But see, the Bible does not teach either of these things. It doesn't teach to subject your reason to your emotion or your emotions to your reason. The Bible teaches us that the human struggle happens within the human heart. And the main struggle is between forces that want to tear our heart in different directions. And fear is one of those things that may attempt to do that. So as you read in David in Psalms, he leverages his fears. He doesn't deny his fears. But he also doesn't flaunt them as the ultimate authority of his life. He doesn't let them control him. He, but David is in a pit of Despair he 's in a debilitating place. If you read uh, psalm twenty seven he uses militaristic language for a reason because he 's under attack. If you read first Samuel in the Bible uh, that the people were he literally chasing David, and so he went to go hide in a cave and they 're basically saying to him, "Do you remember King Saul? How everyone turned against him, your predecessor well this is happening to you now, David. Everyone's out to get you. They're attacking his character, his leadership. And David was not a perfect person. He uh, famously stole Bathsheba from another man, committed adultery with her, then sent her husband in the front lines to die in a war so that he could have her for himself. I mean, David was not a paragon of virtue by any means. But he's coming to God with his fears, with his brokenness, and he's discovering a way, I think, to pray through your fears. In Psalm 27, 1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. You could also say, the Lord is my light and my victory or my deliverance. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? One thing I asked of the Lord. That will I seek after, to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. He's he's sort of unpacking this idea of what a stronghold, this this temple, this this being in the presence of God. He's saying, God, I want nothing else but just to be with you in your house all the days. Like it's better to be with you for one day than a thousand days elsewhere. God, I'd rather just be a, a pillar in your temple than to not be with you. You are my stronghold. To behold the beauty of the Lord, to inquire in his temple. And then in verse 5, he shifts it to a future tense. For he will hide me in his shelter. It's almost like he's either reminding himself of this, or he's speaking prophetically about his future, but he's saying, God, you will do this. Not you might. You will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will set me high on a rock. Now my head is lifted up above my enemies all around me, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. Come, my heart says. Seek his face. His heart is telling him. God is speaking to him and saying, Do this. Keep seeking me your face lord do i seek Then verse 9 though fear creeps back in do not hide your face from me do not turn your servant away in anger you have been my help do not cast me off do not forsake me o god of my salvation now if you grew up in church you would read psalms and you know it, i think the older we get and we 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 appreciate what david is doing you know, it's it's easy to gloss over all of this and see it as a sort of lofty religious language, but it's not. It's a real person with real prayers and real problems writing these things down, writing down his prayers, praying through his fears. He's not Superman. And he knows that. He is holding on to God from one moment to the next. And there's no better place to be when you do that. I'm sure we've heard the name George Patton general in World War II, who died in Germany 1945. I didn't know that. He died in a car accident just a few days after the war ended. But he was a famous general, he used a lot of colorful language, Uh, famous for the 1970 movie Patton, as we see in this image here. Uh, That's not us yet, that's an actor, it's George C. Scott, but uh, we cannot play a clip from this scene. I will not do so, if you've seen the movie. Um, But Patton was uh, was, uh, famous for being very aggressive and his approach to the war and he was a hero for a lot of the decisions he made. Um, And even he would admit uh, to his soldiers that we're all afraid. No, no man or woman before they go into battle is not afraid, everyone's afraid anyone that's been in the military could, will say that it's just a real feeling and emotion that you have, it's legitimate but he would say that courage is fear holding on a minute longer and I thought that was a powerful statement from a man that understood fear very well and you could take courage out and sometimes put faith is fear holding on a minute longer if you're in a moment with God, a place in your life where you're clinging to God in your fear, you're holding on to Him from moment to moment, almost like breathing. You're putting your roots down deep into Him. That's the best th- place you could, thing you could do. You're admitting, hey, I'm not Superman. I'm not Superwoman. That this is the perfect place for imperfect people. And God will show His strength through your weakness. Would you pray with me? God, it's a a challenging thing sometimes when we feel full of fear. And I know there are people listening to this who are encountering some fearful stuff. And you said to your disciples, you have little faith. Why are you afraid? You wanted to teach them a lesson. But you also wanted them to see to get the truth that you want us to trust you. You want us to trust you. God, help us to remember that sometimes you let the storm rage on, but you calm your child. Sometimes you calm the storm and you calm your child, but regardless, you're there. pray for that assurance for someone today that really needs that to know God that you're there. That even when we pray and and we feel like it's silent and I'm not doing anything and and I'm not hearing back from you God let us not be intimidated by silence. It's, it's It's just that you communicate to us in a different way. You communicate to us through your word. Sometimes in silence you want us to learn something about ourselves. And sometimes you will speak. But I pray, God, that we wouldn't run from you in our fears. The disciples, to their credit, ran toward you and said, Lord, help us. If there's anyone here that knows they need help with every eye closed just raise your hand to God and say in your heart to God say lord help me lord help me no one's looking just say to God lord help me i'm scared and i pray that he will calm you or he will calm the storm but when the shadows of this life have ended a storm will pass. There is no heaven, there is no trouble on earth that heaven cannot heal. And that you have finished the work on the cross on our behalf. You have saved us unto yourself. I pray that we would know that we will not taste death, those of us that are in Christ. That nothing will separate us from your love. in life, In death, we are confident that your love can cast out all fear. May it be so. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. Will you please stand?